Your Tauntaun will freeze before you reach the first marker. Then I'll see you in hell. To the Beyond the First Marker podcast. Beyond the First Marker is a podcast that explores the greater Star Wars universe and how to represent themed characters, units, and battles on the Star Wars Legion tabletop. This will involve digging into the rules and sharing modeling options to make your favorite units a playable reality. We are an Australian-based podcast and will be regularly chatting with members of the Australian Legion community and the larger global community. Thank you for joining us. Welcome to Beyond the First Market, Episode 5, The Podcast Strikes Back. I'm, I'm sorry, Drew, Drew, Drew Baca, Drewy, this is Episode 2. Yeah, the, the second episode is Episode 5, right? Oh, Jesus, you're not making a new hope joke, are you? Are you saying this is the empire of uh, our podcast? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Jesus. Okay, that there's a whole topic of what. It, so what you're telling me is you have the first three episodes planned and you just haven't recorded them yet. Yeah, we we don't have the recording technology right now, but um, oh, <laughs> I've got it in mind. Jesus. You're such a bad person. <laughs> um, on that note, it's gotta be it's gotta be great. <laughs> and we're, we're gonna, gonna listen to go blue screen the whole time. Like it's gonna be it's gonna be fantastic. We're we're gonna uh, actually talk about this in a few minutes in this episode. I don't even know if you're aware of this. Uh, we're gonna talk about whether or not uh, you know George Lucas actually knew what he was talking about when he said he'd pre-planned the first three. But um, that will be part of our lore section where we dig back into the history of Mimbin. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna wrestle the reins from you. Welcome to Beyond the First Marker podcast. My name is Low Brad, and uh, joining me is the man, the myth, the legend, the Drew Baca himself. Drew, how are good you? Evening. I'm I'm good. Um, wow, it's taken us it's taken us a long time to get to episode two. Oh, um, yeah, it was not our intention to uh, to draw it out this long. But I was looking at my notes from the last episode, and this. Well over a month ago. Yeah. Now, this is supposed to be a monthly podcast. I, I do know that a couple of people contacted us saying, boy, it's been over <clears> a week. And we went, yeah, I know. Um, so uh, the the Cast Dice podcast network that we are on, Cast Dice is a weekly podcast. Um, it is a generic uh, gaming, tabletop gaming podcast that happens roughly once a week, except for twice a month. And that twice a month, one of those episodes is this podcast beyond the first marker and the other one is the official warlord game podcast so you will get this episode or sorry this uh podcast you will get one episode of this about once a month and now we're hoping especially now that we're on school holidays that you'll get more than one in the next month uh to make up for the fact that it was probably a five or six week month last month mm -hmm. um but as drew and i are both uh, teachers starting a podcast at the end of term four when all the reports were due 
and you know you're trying to get end of term grading and get everything done for the semester so you can actually take a break and then end of year burnout throw on top of that and you know job searching and everything else it does tend to take it out of you but uh we are back and we do have consistency. If you look at the uh, cast dice uh, history, there is going to be a plenty of episodes of this particular podcast coming your way. It's just mm, we shouldn't have started it in term four. Uh, Drew, uh, can, we... I, can I also just yeah. say that um, the, the end of the end of term is behind us, but ahead of us is that uh, special time of the year uh, where families get together and. And celebrate and eat. Um, yes, I'm talking about Life Day is happening yes. on Wednesday. That's right. So, um, just to to give a bit of context to people, that's and happening. I am, and I'm not going to play Fairy, uh, Carrie Fisher singing the Life Day song as part of this episode. Sorry, Drew. I knew you were looking nor, forward to that. Nor will I do a rendition. <laughs> Thank God for that. Um, leaving Life Day and the uh, ill-fated Christmas episode aside, uh, we would like to take a second to say happy holidays. Uh, for those of you who are listening, uh, we hope you enjoy this episode uh, as you are enjoying your festivities this year. Uh, and we look forward to bringing you many more wonderful episodes in the new year. But Drew, let's, let's, let's move on. So it has been quite a while since we have podcasted last. And I know you have been busy getting your hobby on. Um, you want to give us a little taste about what you've been up to since last episode? I've probably squeezed in as much as I can. Um, I probably the first thing I did since the last episode was finish off a commission on a different game system for someone. Um, so I cleared my table. There you go. Got to clear the decks. Yeah. And start feeling less guilty about working on my own stuff and not their stuff. Um, so, uh, my, my rebel army is there's certainly more that can be added to it and there's more I can add to it. Um, I don't usually have spare models sitting to be, um, to be painted, but at the moment I do very much so, but, uh, I picked up a copy of Clone Wars. Mm -hmm. I don't think I had that yet. Maybe, well, maybe I had bought it then, but I have it. Um, and I started playing around with the clones. I'll come back to the droids, mm -hmm. um, as in they're not my current project and I don't have anything in mind for them right now. But the clones, um, I, to be honest, I was much more enthused about the droids than the clones when I first heard about the box. Mm -hmm. um, but in tr but in trying to come up with something interesting to do with the clones, I stumbled upon um, a reference to Purge Troopers. Yes, and most people are probably familiar with them from familiar with them from um, Jedi Fallen Order, mm -hmm. which was released since the last episode of this podcast. Mm -hmm. um, I have not played it. Um, I'm actually, I'm actually not very up to date with um, Star Wars video games. I was in the 2000s, but uh, yeah. this this decade not so much. So I have it, or I'm getting it, I should say. It is under the Christmas tree, wrapped in pretty <clears throat> paper. So I am looking forward to having pl playing it lots before we record episode three, or should I say episode six? You jerk. <laughs> um, but so I picked up just last week. I picked up. Um, uh, I don't even know what the right word is, a collection of uh, of issues of the Marvel Darth mm -hmm. Vader Lord of the Sith series. Yes. Not the not the Vader series, but Vader Lord of the Dark Lord of the Sith. They're apparently two different series. Yep. Um and this this book uh goes over the uh Mon Cala campaign that uh Tarkin and Vader undertook sort of not long after the formation of the Empire. Mm-hmm. And 
Vader is with his Inquisitoris, and with them, uh, the first sort of look at Purge Troopers, nice. which are they're the last batch of clones produced um, for the Empire, not for the Republic. Mm-hmm. And they wear pretty much as, as as they they look pretty much as they do in the in um, Jedi Fallen Order, sort of black shiny uh, clone trooper armor, and that's what I've decided to go for. With the distinctive helmets. Now, those helmets are also, um, they were seen in some late uh, Clone War uh, clone units. Um, clone paratroopers, I think they are. Yeah, exactly. And you see a couple of them. Um, one of The one that finds Obi-Wan's, um, the clone, someone, one, one of the clones that talks to Obi-Wan before they turn for Order 66 in um, the last Clone Wars movie is wearing one of those helmets. And so I, I, it took me a little while to figure out, why do I know that helmet? It's because it was in the movie, and I ah. recognize it from there. But yeah, um, very excited about those. But um, so I did try and sort of cut back the supplied helmet from the Clone Trooper box, mm-hmm. and because uh, it's got that little fin on the top, which, yeah. the, which the, um, the Purge Trooper helmets don't have. But I decided just cutting off the fin just made them look like a clone trooper with a fin missing. So yeah. um, we had a look at Skullforge and Skullforge does actually make, uh, I think they're called evictors, yes. which is that they have one evictor model, which is holding the, um, the sort of more close combat weapon of the, uh, mm-hmm. of the video game. But they also sell just the heads on a sprue. So I've got a few sets of those uh, in the pipeline to uh, use on my clone troopers. I've also sculpted them all with, um, this, this is a new word for me, cameras, cameras, like the, uh, you, like the skirts that you see on, yes. say, uh, snow troopers. Mm-hmm. Uh, the purge troopers have those as well. Nice. Um, now, Skullforge, <clears throat> I was doing a little bit of research uh, for this episode as well, and I know you were too, um, but I discovered that through their Gumroad, uh, where you just buy the files, not the models, if you look on there, there are actually three Purge Troopers. Um, mm-hmm. The one that you've seen with the close combat weapon, um, and there's another one with a close combat weapon. Both of them almost look like Darth Maul's double-sided uh, lightsabers, but they're not lightsabers. And then yeah. the third one has the laser rifle that the Galactic Marines carry, um, which is very cool. And uh, I I may have to uh, pick up a couple of those for, I don't know even for what. They just look too cool not to have. But yeah, very cool. I'm just waiting for something to come out for uh, for the Republic Army that is a bit more close combat oriented so I could try and make some more close combat style purge troopers. Yeah. Yeah, there's a few things that I'm dead keen for for the Imperials, um, and one of them we'll, we'll talk about at length later, um, and that would be an Imperial unit that I can proxy to count as, um, you know, a, basically a, a core unit that has white dice saves. Um, I mean, we're starting to see units like uh, Eden and um, Casey. You know, there's some of the new upcoming. Um, models that are coming out are sort of borrowing rules from the other factions. So you're getting a little bit more, you know, a little less of the single identity within faction of each army mm. and you're getting a little more differentiation. Um, and I'm hoping at some point we get a white save unit besides scouts because scouts aren't basic troops. You can't build an army around that unit entry and because of it, I can't, f- you know, I can't field an in giant, a giant unit of, Oh, I don't know, uh, Imperial, uh, boarding action, 
Navy troopers or um, mud troopers, not the mud, you know, not the Mimbim stormtroopers per se, which we'll talk about again in a few minutes. But yeah, I'm really hoping that we'll get that, which I think would be cool. Just a bit, yeah, just get a bit more <laughs> variations within the list so that we can play a few more counts as yeah. kind of list, which is which is what you and I are all about. But um, yes. <laughs> well, I um. I, I have not been going down as a, an exciting a road, so to speak. Um, I have been enjoying the hell out of The Mandalorian, though. Uh, yes. I know you have been as well. Now, we have been asked um, by some UK listeners that we not talk at length about uh, The Mandalorian and its contents. Uh, no spoilers. Um, Baby Yoda, of course, everyone knows. And, of course, everyone knows The Mandalorian. Um, I have a Skullforge Mandalorian model um, back when it was first put out by Skullforge. I, I picked one up and I painted it up. And it was the very first of my Bounty Hunter squad that I've painted up um, that I'm, I'm very looking forward to playing shortly. Um, it basically revolves around all of the Bounty Hunters from Empire Strikes Back uh, I do have a few more that I need to add that I have recently acquired and I need to paint, but I've got the entire Empire Squad, Forlom, Dengar, oh God, all of them. I'm looking at the mob right now. And as of, like, with the Mandalorian, you could probably start a second squad of, uh, mm-hmm. of bounty hunters. Well, it means I can I, I can have an IG-11 instead of just having an IG-88, <clears throat> which I'm very excited because I had the IG-88 is one of my favorite bounty hunters and I have him. Um, and he went, you know, he looks great against, you know, next to Forlom and Dengar and um, just to have, and Zuckus, but to have him um, with, you know, Boba Fett and all those guys. And then being able to add the Mandalorian with ig11 and then later on some of the other friends that we'll see in that series i think will be very exciting Um, what's what what physical differences are there between ig88 and ig11 i haven't sort of looked at the two side by side really uh honestly i think they're identical i think they which which would make sense because they're a droid line so exactly um they're just assassination droids Um, and then i also painted up a greedo and a few other scum and villainy guys i'm still not finished embarrassingly um, Dr. Evansans and uh, Panda Baba, but I'll get there. In the meantime, I painted up a few more Imperial medical droids um, that are based on uh, different 3D print models rather than the official FFG models. And I painted up a couple more Imperial officers because I don't know. I, I guess I just have a lot of them and I just like painting them. I, I don't think I've fielded one in a game yet, but I'm looking to change that soon. Um, but speaking of uh, games, and um, I think this falls into, I mean, the way we've been playing a lot. You and I, I think mainly because of um, space requirements and time requirements, have been playing slightly smaller games. Um, not all the time, but some of the times we've been playing Legion. We've been playing slightly smaller games. And recently, uh, the the format that we've almost in, you know exclusive been been playing since we started, which is um, you know five hundred ish points, all of a sudden is now a standard thing. Uh, and so, Drew, are you as excited about skirmish as I am? Yes, I was. As soon as I read that, I says yes, this is what we need because uh, when you're you and I are playing, it is it's more just about putting putting our hobby on the table and yeah and pushing around and having fun with it. Like the, whether, the, whether the, the 
strategies and tactics are diminished going from to the smaller format. It doesn't really bother us because nope. it's not what we're playing for. Um, giving us a smaller game, it's, it's smaller in space, smaller in time, um, in theory, should allow us to play more games. Mm-hmm. And that is a good thing. Yeah, agree. Well. And Ag- there's no, no loss as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, exactly. And I'm looking forward to on the school holidays having you and a couple friends over um, because we have lots of terrain at the house uh, and having, you know, a, a, a three game, uh, four game, whatever skirmish event where we can just kick back, push some models around and have a good old time. Mm. Um, and I love that you get new mission cards for it, new objectives. I love that the whole it's it's a whole new set of rules. Um that really scales the game down well and uh, allows you to play in a different way. And I, I think that's cool that they're doing that. That and the new objectives box that's coming out with all of the new cool mission cards. I mean, just by adding nine new mission cards just blows the existing sort of missions that we had in the game as it was um, sort of out the window. Um, and, it, you know, just increases the options, not exponentially, but dramatically. And it's just, it's really cool that all of a sudden, because, you know, I wasn't playing the game tons, but it was still like, oh, I know what this is. Oh, I know how to handle that. Or, uh, I, you know, and I know people who play the game more than us have sort of considered and sort of really dug in with tactics on how to Every play, combination. Right. And, and, and how they how they kind of work off each other and and, you know, what effect each each has on the other, but I think throwing those extra ones in for me is basically is basically giving me a completely unforeseeable um, scenario. Yeah, not not quite, but do you know what I mean? Like it's no, absolutely. Kind of, I'm it, kind of it, coming into a game not knowing at all what I'm facing. Yeah, and or, it, or could be facing. That's right, and I know that you you know the player gets to choose which missions they put in their deck, you know, in order to be to put down on the tabletop. So you know, players are still narrowing that field, so it's not you know as wide as it could be. But um, if you really want to you know take some scenarios or some missions or some battlefield <laughs> conditions or setup and and tie that to your theme, I think that's really exciting. Um, now that all those options have been added. It really does just allow you another way to add theme to your army, which is the thing that we love in doing in the games that we play. Can I just one of the things I really thought was funny? Yeah. Uh, from I think it first came out as a scenario, as a skirmish card, mm-hmm. but it's been added, but it's been added to the um, to that new scenario box that's coming out. Um, one of the battlefield conditions is um, fortifications. I think mm-hmm. we players get to place some barricades before they, before the game starts. Um, and I love that the rule specifies barricades must be placed horizontally. Right. Cause I'm just picturing that guy. who's like, yep, I'm putting the barricade down like this. Cause the rule doesn't say I can't. Mm-hmm. And he's like, no, no, no. And, and you just sort of, that's such a face part of me kind of like, yes, you're right. You can put it down like that. Do you feel, do you feel happy about this? Yeah. Um, whereas FFG is kind of just, seen all of this and said no barricades go horizontal yeah don't be a jerk yeah exactly (laughs) um although i have heard people saying that that they've used barricades in this way so you know player placed barricades um as bridges to to cross small gaps oh that's interesting i hadn't considered that which technically fits with the must be placed horizontally 
requirement. Mm-hmm. But I guess if you've got some small gaps, probably don't use enough vertical terrain yet. In like, I haven't got enough vertical terrain yet in my collection for that to be much of an issue. Yeah. But I can see, I can see it might. Yeah, on one hand, but I mean, it would have to be a very narrow gap, wouldn't it, in order for one of those barricades to bridge it, and it would be kind yeah. of at a weird angle. Yeah, I get it. It's cool. It's just a little, it's a little, a little it seems, uh, specific. <clears throat> yeah, um, very specific. I, I, I just don't see myself putting two hills that close together because the gap between them would be so awkward to fit even an infantryman. Yeah. Down. It's like yeah. And the oh, fact cool. that Legion's a slightly larger scale than a lot of the games I'm used to playing, uh, it gets me thinking that I wouldn't necessarily have buildings that close to one another. But hey, you know, I have played on a, a board that I think was once deemed uh, Infinity Terrain at an event, and uh, those buildings were very tight together. It felt very uh, Corellia, claustrophobic, uh, almost Coruscant-y. It was great. It was cool. So yeah, I could see it in that case. But yeah, <laughs> interesting. But yeah, no, I'm I'm glad. Um, I think especially as you and I are playing around with different unit configurations uh, and different themed forces, I think just having the skirmish rules and having some new objectives um, really does give us the opportunity to field a smaller forces without having to add big point sinks if we're trying to be very specific about um, wanting to put specific uh, units from you know particular battles on the tabletop i mean yeah. it, it allows us to just get the smaller scale down pat without having to you know bulk out and by the same and you know get those models on the on the tabletop faster because you know we like to play with at least mostly painted models if not completely yeah. um and then simultaneously having those objectives again allows us to theme those forces further to to match the battlefields that we want to be playing on so man i'm i'm very excited i think that ffg is really going out of the going out of their way to to give the players um something special uh as far as this game goes and man they just keep knocking out of the park i'm very excited about where legion is and where it's going it's very cool yeah, because it still seems like like the two initial factions have got most, you know, besides what we were talking about just before, most bases covered in terms of play style. Mm-hmm. But but there's still so much more they could do for those factions. Right. Um, but then Clone Wars, just because of the um, the source material, there there is. So. Every, I've been, I'm watching through the the um the Clone Wars on Disney Plus, and because I haven't watched it all. Mm-hmm. And sort of every second or third episode, you're like, oh, man, I want to see that in the game. Right? I've been doing the same, man. Disney Plus has been bad for me in Star Wars because I keep going, oh, what if I buy those heads and put them on those models? And what if I buy those heads and put them on those models? Meanwhile, I was thinking like the um, – have you seen the episode where, the, uh, where they have those um, infiltrator droids that look like janitor droids? That, mm-hmm. And then they like transform and turn into these like massive – droids that just shoot the place up it's yeah. like i want those but i can't think of a mechanic that would allow them to be janitor mode yeah exactly <laughs> like, somehow infiltrate into a battlefield um well there's because... um there is the card that allows you to play further onto the tabletop um or is it keep his uh key positions no i can't think of the name of it off the top of my head um but yeah i mean that would be perfect for that just that you got a little bit further on the board at the beginning of the game because you were uh before people Disguise figured out yourself. what you were doing yeah exactly yeah. i mean um, it would be in, in i guess in a combat situation it wouldn't be like a janitor droid but it'd be something else that they describe as and 
just sneak a little bit closer and then pop out and they're giant droids like in your face. Yeah, exactly. I have to apologize to the listeners. I'm I'm a little sleep deprived, so the names of some of the cards are escaping me at the moment. Um, but yeah, uh, you you get what I'm going with that. Um, Drew, I I think it's time that we try and redeem ourselves. What do you think? Uh, yeah, cool. Cause last, it, last episode okay. was kind of embarrassing. Yeah. Um, we, we, so in every episode of, uh, <clears throat> beyond the first marker, we are going to ask each other, uh, five trivia questions. Now, Drew and I are both sitting pretty at two out of five. Um, so we're going to try and lord over our, our, our fellow uh, co-host, uh, who is the master of Star Wars trivia, and we are tied with an embarrassing two each. Um, <laughs> we are currently still working off of questions from the original, or one of the original Star Wars, um, or a classic Star Wars, I should say, uh, trivial pursuit set, although we will be bulking those out in the future. Uh, and I, I think, Drew, you had a bonus question this week, I think, for just for funsies. Uh, but before we get to funsies, let's see uh, where the competition takes us. Would you like to go first this time, my good man? Uh, yeah, sure. So, uh, sorry, you're, you're going to be asking, asking me questions? Uh, I'm happy to do that. Uh, I'm happy either way. Is that what you um, but, Yes. And I guess I, I should say that if you would like to join us at home uh, and keep track, I'm sure some of you are already <laughs> keeping track and are better than R2. <sighs> but uh, let's let's see where we end up. Um, and you can tell us that you're a better trivia person with Star Wars than we are. And God, I used <laughs> to think I was good at this. Um, now, uh, let's see if you get oh, so I'd one. say it's about the new canon. Um, but all these questions are about... Just the original trilogy, so that, that excuse doesn't help. No, it doesn't. Uh, Drew, uh, whose first words in The Empire Strikes Back were, don't try to blame me? Don't... That sounds like Han Solo. It does, uh, and I may have said that that way. To... It is not. It is uh, 3CPO. Uh, C-3PO. Yeah. As I said, I'm tired. I'm getting everything wrong tonight. Yeah, three CPO, apparently. Who would have thought? Oh, okay. Um, yeah. My turn. What do you got? Oh, well, okay. Um, what do I have? Sorry, I'm just trying to find the right card. Mm-hmm. Oh, here we are. Okay, my question. Who was Luke's wingmate during his first pass against the Imperial Walkers on Hoth? Not Dash. Uh, I'm thinking Dash Rendar. It's not Dash. It's... um. Oh my God! It's like Dash. Oh, my being tired is not helping me with this. Um, it wasn't Hobby. It was um, Dak. Dak. Nah, it was it was Hobby. It was Hobby. Damn it! All right. So, <laughs> oh well. Oops. Um, um, right. Okay, here we go. Let's see. Um, let's see. <laughs> God, we stink at this. Okay, uh, whose uh, whose flagship has nine forward viewports on the bridge? Uh, Vader's? Yes. For is, bonus is, points, what was the name of that ship? Um, the Executor. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it was exact. Um, I was thinking it was Avenger, but that's a different ship. Yeah, no, I think it is the Executor. Yeah, you're right. Ex- executor or ex- Executor? I think it was exact. Uh, we'll look it up. All right. Um, <laughs> go, go ahead. I got a point. Yes. Damn it. All right. Question two. Uh, there we go. 
what was Obi-Wan Kenobi's last line in, it says his Star Wars, I'm going to say A New Hope, uh, the episode four. What was Obi-Wan Kenobi's last line in A New Hope? Am I allowed to ask when he was pre or post Vader duel? Am I allowed to ask that? Uh, I'll just say the, the, the character's last line. Okay. Um, it is post. Luke, use the force. No, the force will be with you. Damn it. Always. Oh, of course. Oh, God damn it. Of course. Oh, God, I am the worst at this. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, what were the color designations of the two rebel fighter squadrons that participated in the first Death Star battle? Red and gold? Yeah. Woo! Boom. Um, all right. Who inspires Jabba to remark, in time, you will learn to appreciate me? Princess Leia? Yeah. Okay. Phew. Oh, uh, creepy Jabba for the Tense. point. Yes. Uh, all right. How many <laughs> scout troopers? Uh, how many scout troopers pursued the Ewok who hijacked a speeder bike? Two. Three. Uh, I thought the third one joined in later, but oh. Well. All right. Next question for you: What's the first type of vehicle seen in The Empire Strikes Back? First type of vehicle seen. Uh, an Imperial Star Destroyer. It is. But when I was when I was reading the questions to myself, I was thinking, was it that or was it like the the pod for the um for the probe droid? But so you're right. yeah, it, because the the probe droids uh, pop out the bottom. Yeah. Yes. And they've got to pop out the bottom of something. So yeah, you're right. Yeah. There you go. So who's cool. So who summed up Luke's quest to become a Jedi Knight as delusions of grandeur? Leia? Oh, man, close. Han. Uh, Han. Han. I was thinking Han, but I'm like, I can't say Han to get... There's a response to two questions, you get them both wrong. Mm -hmm. Ah. Sorry. Playing the metagame and losing. All right. Um... So, last question for you. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm going to correct the grammar here. Which cities platform include platforms include Docking Bay 94? Uh, Docking Bay 94. I, I if it's if it's phrased like that, I'm going to go Bespin. But I I almost want to say it's Tatooine. And again, we're talking about the original trilogy. Otherwise, I would have guessed something else. Um, yeah, I'm gonna go with Bestman. No, Moss Eisley. Damn it. I was thinking it was, oh, uh, oh well. <sighs> and you have one more, right? <clears throat> Mine's the bonus one, which is, um, yes. which is just one I thought of last week. And I just thought it was an interesting bit of trivia. Now mm -hmm. like having, having thought about it, I'll, I'll ask it to you, but it's yeah. not counting towards our totals. How many actors have been, Credited in canon as playing Anakin Skywalker. Um, well, there would be the little kid. There would be Hayden Christensen. There would be James Earl Jones as the voice. And mm -hmm. the guy in the Vader suit. Um, and then the, the fat old man that they had at the end. So five? Nah, I'm going to throw a couple more at you first. Okay. Sorry, you, you we got Jake Lloyd. Yeah. Um, who played 
little Anakin. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's a fun place in my heart. Yep. Um, we have Hayden Christensen, as you said. Um, we had, oh, now the mate, I just had the name before. It's gone now. Um, the, the, I'll come back. I'll come back to the voice in Clone Wars. Of course, I forgot about. Um, mm-hmm. I should know his name because this is the reason I thought of this question. He was in. Um, he had a cameo in Mandalorian, but we'll come back to that. Um, so he had. Yeah, he, I won't tell you on here because. Mm-hmm. Yep, don't do it. Yep, don't do it. Um, we had Sebastian Shaw, who's also the bad guy from X Men for some reason. Mm-hmm. Um, who was the uh, force ghost that's um, right anakin we had david prouse you said the guy in the suit and we have spencer wilding who's the guy in the suit in rogue one. Oh, of course it would have been a different of course yeah like there's david- a, yeah like peter may who didn't play all the chewbacca parts in solo for example and apparently the like david prouse and um george lucas had a massive falling out apparently um, to the point where Dave Prouse got banned from conventions and stuff. Really? Oh, yeah. Didn't know that. Didn't so know. No, he definitely he definitely wasn't in Rogue One. Um, there were also other people in suits on screen from canon films, but they were kind of like just backup players or, or stunt people that didn't sort of get credited for the role. But huh. from my count, I could be wrong. But I count seven people credited in canon as playing Anakin Skywalker. Yeah, there you go. From a certain point of view. And like, yeah, there are people that are like, oh, Darth Vader's a different person to Anakin Skywalker. <laughs> yeah. No, he wasn't. No, really, he's not. <clears throat> yep, yep. Well, all right. Um, well, Drew, that, I think you were soundly in the lead. Uh, no, no, no. We're no? still on We're still on four points each. Oh, are we still? Oh, thank God. I forgot I got one <laughs> we, more. We both right. just got two points from that round, and um, oh. we're, we're further... Um, reminding people that maybe we're not suited to this. I used to be. I don't know what happened. Oh, man. <laughs> it seemed I, like a good idea. This seemed like such a great idea. I'm like, I'm going to show that I know everything. I really don't. And the fact is, the original trilogy is is the probably the, the content I know most. This is actually, you know, criminally embarrassing. Hey, Drew. Yeah. Hey, Drew. Yeah. Hey, Drew. Uh, imagine. Just imagine, just imagine a world where A New Hope didn't blow out the way it did. Imagine a world where Star Wars did not become the global phenomenon that it did, just uh, just for a split second. Now, imagine that there was a plan B that did not involve a trilogy of movies. Can you get just let's 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 go to a weird what if universe where Star Wars tanked. A new I'm blanking here. Tanked. Yeah. We're okay. Well, <laughs> the, the, the world doesn't exist past that. Like, what? What? Right. Well, there <laughs> was a novel written. There was a novel written as a plan B by Alan Dean Foster, and it was called Splinter of the Mind's Eye, and it's the direct sequel to A New Hope, um, and it is the very first appearance of the planet Mimbin that we're going to talk about at length today. But before we even get to the actual 
canon Minbin, let's get into Legends Minbin. And let's just talk about this novel. It is fascinating if you ever had the chance to pick it up. You can pick it up in a lot of like book depository on Amazon. It's been recently reprinted and it's actually been reprinted a number of times over the years. But what's fascinating is if you read it, and I've skimmed most of it. Um, I read it very quickly when I was traveling and I need to go back and read it again in depth. But it is, it's a pretty straightforward adventure on a uh, swamp slash mud planet, um, but where Vader's chasing uh, Luke and Leia. And it was actually um, adapted to be a comic by Dark Horse, Dark Horse Comics at one point. But it, a few things are a, a painfully apparent in this. One, that whole um, awkward like romance thing between Leia and Luke in full force. Um, no way is Vader saying, Luke, you're, you're my son. Um, and in this case, it ends with Luke besting Vader in a lightsaber duel and taking his arm. Um, <laughs> so for all those times when George Lucas says, I know exactly what I was going to do in the prequel trilogy and I plan out the whole thing. Um, yeah. Yeah, no. Uh, dude, he didn't even have Empire planned out when he did this. Uh, it it was, and this had to be signed off on. This is official. I, I mean, how much was he? You know, in George Lucas owned the IP. He would not let anything. You know, no little bit of merchandising from day dot be put out without approval. This was approved, and so. Um, Yes, uh, Mimbin is a very different planet from the one we get in canon, and the story that takes place on this legends uh, story of, or this legend Mimbin is uh, equally, I think, can probably be thrown out the window in today's conversation. But I could not go past uh, Splinter of the Mind's Eye without, um, you know, without, without mentioning it. Uh, it is just uh, too crucial to, um, yeah, it, it's just weird. Uh, Leia and Luke are wearing black jumpsuits. It's, yeah. Luke uh, crashes a plane in his X-Wing right after uh, the successful battle of... Uh, I'm not even going to go there. Yavin. But, okay, <laughs> moving on. Minbin. Drew, let's talk about the Minbin that we know more commonly. Now, a lot of people think uh, canon Minbin, the battle of, uh, is from Solo, the movie that we've seen you know, at the beginning. It actually was referenced previous to that um, in an episode well, of the Clone, Clone Wars, or right back you... in season one, I think. Yeah, that's right. But just just as a, just a throwaway as a reference. Like, yeah, yeah. They mention a unit, um, one of the units of clones that's going there, the two hundred twenty fourth division, called the Mud Jumpers, uh, and they're called that because uh, they are fighting on the planet of Minbin. Now, Minbin was originally a jungle, a lush jungle, sort of wooded planet. Um, and the, the CIS land on it um, because they are looking to mine an element that, is, that had been recently found on it called hyperbiride, which was used in the manufacture of um, starships. So they come in and they start mining the planet ruthlessly, um, destroying its ecosystem and creating a, a toxic mud pit. Now, the Mimbinese people are a subterranean species. They look almost Trandoshan-like, except they have um, little bones <clears throat> that come out of the side of their face um, that almost look like sort of like teeth or horns um, in rows, and they have red skin. Um, they have giant 
eyes that um, are kind of a, a bit like Maz Kanata from um, exactly kind of yeah from the newest movies. That's right because they have you know sort of beady black eyes that they need to see in the dark because as as I just said they are subterranean. Now as their planet is being exploited, all of a sudden you know mud starts to seep down into their habitat um, under the planet's surface, and they come up and realize what is happening. And that, of course, is sort of an ecological well disaster. It's 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 catastrophic uh, event that has just ruined the planet's surface and turned the planet into a giant mud pit uh, with you know pollutants and toxins galore. And so this starts the first battle of Minbin. Now, um, the 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 Minbinese people uh, combine forces with the Republic. And that is why the clones, the 224th Division, the, the Mud Jumpers, um, er, that's where they earn their name, is fighting in the mud pits of Minbin against the droids. Drew, do you want to add anything to this at this point? Maybe just point out that I, I think that this kind of makes Minbin a good battlefield for either of the game settings, by either the, the prequel trilogy or the original trilogy. Both right. canonically have battles taking place there. So all four factions in the game... Could well play, uh, could well battle here. Exactly. So if you're interested in a in a in a battlefield setting, this is a pretty good one for um for all comers. If if you're concerned about where factions canonically fought. Yeah, and I think it would be cool because it would give you an opportunity to field uh, clone troopers and you know associated. Random Jedi. Of course, you could use the Obi Wan stat line if you wanted to do that. Um, but it would give you an opportunity if you wanted to add um, some Mimbanese uh, freedom fighters in there as well. Uh, of course, we don't have the rules for those. But if you wanted to proxy in, if you're playing with your friends, maybe a squad of Rebel troopers um, with some gear, that could be cool. Um, or maybe yeah. even scouts, um, because maybe Imperial scouts the rules fit. Um, if you wanted to use those models, uh, because yeah, I mean, it's, it's a really, it's an under discussed, um, battle in the clone wars, but there are just so many battles like that where you can dig in. And as we get more units for the clone wars era, for those two armies, the droids and, uh, the clones, I think we're just going to open up the opportunities to, uh, theme forces and have a good time with this game. Now, if you dig into some of the history here, there is a discussion of um, a Jedi who was um, killed uh, and a certain uh, <laughs> representative by the name of Binks uh, visiting from the Senate uh, apparently makes an appearance on Mimbin. I'm not going to get into that so much because I, I am more interested in digging into the galactic future and as much as I want to be positive about Star Wars, Jar Jar is never my friend. Um <clears throat> But let's let's get to this. Um, at, at the end of the Clone Wars, despite the Republic is uh, the Republic's promise uh, that the Mimbanese would have their freedom, uh, the basically the Galactic Empire um, denied the the freedom to the Mimbanese, and um, the two hundred and twenty fourth Swamp Troopers um, turned and started to fight their allies, uh, and then that battle was fought for the next. 12 years as the Galactic Empire turned around and started mining the planet like the CIS did before them. I guess that just proves that uh, Palpatine is not uh, the most trustworthy when dealing with uh, non-human races. What? Who would have thought? <laughs> uh, yeah. So 
What's interesting, though, is the Mimbanese, um, as a native force, uh, A, they are well-versed in guerrilla warfare. Uh, B, they are naturally suited to their habitat, um, and they they have adapted to the environment, and they've come up with ways to camouflage themselves. They have specialized gear to see infrared, and um, they added, they've attached vibra blades to their weapons, um, so they can swing them like axes. And basically, they come out of the mud, uh, and they, they come out at people. Now, if you watch Solo and you're watching the battlefield, often it looks like uh, trench warfare. It looks like there's been a trench dog, and they're fighting an enemy in a trench across the way. Um, but I was surprised, having watched some YouTube videos and read some of um, some of the text that's in you know some of those books describing the world of Star Wars, to find out that... It wasn't really like that. It was more like um, it was less World War One and more what we'd expect from maybe a, a Vietnam movie where you have um, a base where you have the Imperials in a base and then they're digging, you know, they're driving out from that base and they're being attacked from all sides and from ways <coughs> that they couldn't see coming because the Mimbanese were just jumping out and, you know, ambushing them, assaulting them, and then they would have to fight their way out of those battles. And it's one of those battles that is portrayed in the movie Soul. Um, so yeah, I, I thought that was really interesting. Now, on screen, you only see the Mimbanese for literally split seconds, but they are in the movie. In fact, I didn't even realize they were in the movie when I first yeah. watched it. Um, I had to watch it a second and third time. And then I actually went back specifically watching those scenes when I was researching um, my force because I have a Mimbin Stormtrooper force. And it was I was very surprised to figure out that, oh, they are there. What do you know? <laughs> um, and yeah, and then you can actually find pictures online of what the Mimbanese look like. Now, Drew, you've done some research on the Mimbanese forces yourself. So um, tell us a little bit about um, the Mimbanese, how you might portray that force on the tabletop, and where you might get the models to do that. So, like, there's not a heap on the, the Mimbanese out there, unfortunately, no. but um, you said they, they were made for the films, but just mostly didn't appear. Mm. Um, but Skullforge, uh, if you're into 3D printing, do make a line of uh, of muddy liberators, they're called. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking hypothetically, hypothetically, um, if I was going to make a Mimbanese uh, army, I would base it off of those. Yeah, so, I think they're they're fantastic models. Now, Drew, there is only five, right? That's true, but a similar argument could be made about any of the units uh, that fa uh, that Fantasy Flight make. True, um, true. Um, but what what's interesting is a lot of the 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 pictures that we see of these guys is that they have they camouflage themselves um, with like long. Uh, strands of uh, almost like an elephant grass that grows on the planet, um, which is sort of the last the the last plant life that is on the planet. There's there's little kind tufts of, like, of these. Yeah, they kind of got like half ghillie suits on. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, now, because of that, I feel like if as long as you have the five basic troopers and you you know wanted to do a little bit of cutting and repositioning, I feel like especially since you are basically putting these guys, as you say, in a ghillie suit. You could do some really clever modeling to make those five look like a lot more, right? And then you could do some uh, some weapon swaps as well. Mm -hmm. um, and I think I think you'd get plenty of variation out of these. That's right. And, and 
you know, for, for specialist positions like, you know, if, if you wanted some vehicles or whatever, although I'm not sure how well suited they'd be to this theme, mm. um, you could you could get a couple of the heads and just do some head swaps on the uh, on the existing Revel hardware. That's true. That's very true. Good point. Good point. Now, how do how would you field these on the tabletop? Because I know you've been looking at if you wanted to build an army of these guys, if you were able to sort of convert the models, what were you thinking unit wise to represent them? So I made a bit of a list that uh, I tried to get as, as much sort of scouty, infiltrate stuff in there as mm -hmm. I could. I did go with a few um, weapon emplacements. Mm-hmm. Because I, th I thought that kind of fit as well. So the the list just the list that I came up with kind of split between a very static gun line, mm -hmm. um, and then some um, advanced kind of infiltrators that that would uh, uh, run ahead. Now this is a rebel list. Mm -hmm. um, I felt that this is this is definitely a rebellion. It's not the rebellion, but it right. is a rebellion. So um, it works here. They're, they're using a lot of the same tactics as the rebels. So there was no no need to to move away from there too much. Right, and faction-wise, if you're going to be ducking and weaving and hiding, and they're the best fit, right? Yeah, yeah. And often when you're doing themed lists in general, you 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 kind of just have to look for the best, like thematically, which of the factions suits what you want to do, mm -hmm. even though it might not suit it from a um, from a story point of view. But in this case, it works fine. So mm -hmm. let's go with it. Um, so I led the I led the army with a generic rebel officer mm -hmm. because I didn't. I was trying to shy away from using named characters here. Mm -hmm. um, although I do actually have a couple. I'll come to those. Um, and the rebel officer, aggressive tactics, and electro binoculars, just fairly standard. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> not doing a lot. Uh, I used Jinnerso then as my second um, commander because mm -hmm. just just because she's she's fitting that theme of infiltration and getting in there and um absolutely getting nice nice and close um i took chewbacca as an operative and whilst having chewbacca there literally works because obviously we do see him in the movie mm -hmm. on the bar. um but i think if not chewbacca himself then definitely there are probably other wookies there in the same situation who chewbacca could represent in this case exactly uh, and I took I took the end of the Wookiees as well. Uh, the Wookiees I gave I gave them recon intel just to try and again get them up close mm -hmm. a bit as well. And I've you know I've, I've peppered these with other things, but this is sort of generally where I'm going. Uh, I've got two squads of Rebel veterans uh, just to form the backbone, and I've given them both, um, or they're both accompanied by the um, the medium blasters. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not sure if it's my list builder. Do they, do they count towards my minimum core or are they, or, or are they in addition to? They do. They do. They definitely count as a troop choice, just like the mortar does with shore troopers, um, their, their own um, entry. Yeah. So you, cool. Yeah. So go ahead. Both the veterans have got the, uh, the, the, the CM093, mm -hmm. uh, um, just for a little bit of anti-armor. There, there, there's... Yeah, as, we know, as, as you'll see, there's some armor coming up. Mm -hmm. um, and I've got a couple of uh, FD laser cannons, one with the barrage generator and one with overcharge generator just for a bit of uh, a bit of mixing up there. For some teeth. Yeah. So my, my plan there is to sort of have uh, a, a fairly static gun line 
with the um, with the uh, media blaster teams and mm-hmm. laser cannon teams, and backed up by the by the veterans, and then have uh, Jin, Chewie, and the Wookies kind of running ahead and uh, and causing trouble. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, they can. Now, I did mention that some of the Mimbanis attached vibroblades to turn their weapons, their basic blaster rifles, into almost axes. Um, you could, if you didn't want to put Wookies in your force, um, but you wanted to use uh, like a close combat specialist role, you could still use the Wookie profile and give them those axes, so to speak. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, which I think would be would be great. I think that'd be a very cool looking army. And even if you did use the Wookies, that would still be amazing. Um, yeah, man, fantastic force. I really dig that. Uh, now, I oh, this, yep. speaking of fiber blades, mm-hmm. finally saw some. That was kind of cool. We'll move on, but just just sort of drop that. <laughs> yes. Yes, we yeah. did. Um, cool. All right, moving on. So I um, and we're not going to say where we saw it, Drew. Nope. Now, I spent a lot of time working on uh, my Mimbanese Stormtrooper. Now, I Army, I did want to mention that we're not going to be talking about the Imperial Troopers, not the Mud Troopers, um, because they're Imperial Army. They're not Imperial Stormtroopers. Um, they are similar, but they are very different. Uh, the Stormtroopers are more uh, Imperial cults, so to speak, than the basic grunts that were in the 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 basic mud troopers now i did want to mention though though we're not going to get into um the mud troopers per se a lot of the soldiers that you know in the 12 years war that's been happening since the clone wars um on mimbin when solo takes place um a lot of the soldiers that have been fighting there have been soldiers of the planetary militias um and veterans from the clone wars that were previously trained and fought and so they're very experienced troops but a lot of them were cycled into the mud trooper um units to to keep fighting basically as part of an attrition war to to kill them off um, they you'll remember that because they fought during the Clone Wars, um, they were Republic troops by definition, not Imperial troops, um, not at their core, not when they started. And um, apparently this was part of a plan by Palpatine to thin the ranks of non-pure Imperial troopers. Um, and so a lot of the soldiers that fought there were um, were from that or were discipline problems from Imperial units, i.e., Han Solo. So, that said, um, let's turn our focus to stormtroopers. Now, Minbin stormtroopers are very similar to regular stormtroopers, um, except they have two very notable differences equipment-wise. Now, in in the fluff describing them, they did say that they had um, sort of reduced pads, um, the armor plating was shortened around the joints to allow for more movement. Um, uh, just from looking at pictures and action figures and everything else, um, that doesn't seem to be the case. Um, it's just mentioned, so I'm mentioning it to you. Um, there are the, the two big differences, though, are the helmets and the camo capes. Now, if you look at world pictures of World War I German trench troopers um they often have an extra plate on built into the front of their helmets and that was a protective plate um to prevent from you know if they stuck their head up from being shot from the opposing trench 
Um, now, that was the visual cue that was then used to put on these stormtroopers. Now, apparently, that isn't why it's on uh, the stormtrooper helmet. Um, there's different sensors. Uh, in some cases, that's what's mentioned, different sensor arrays, um, different environmental adaption gear. Um, I've read different things in different places. So it's hard to say why that plate's there. I think it is just an, a, a pure armor plate slapped to the forehead of these troopers. Um, anyway, it is visually, <laughs> if you look at them from the front, they don't look terribly different. But if you look at the side, you'll notice they have a pronounced forehead plate. Um, now, on my army, because I have an entire army of stormtroopers with that helmet, I had to get that plate. Now, I have seen people green stuff it on. I've seen people use curved Plasticard. Uh, I went to our old buddies at Skullforged, and no, we're really not sponsored, gang. Um, <clears throat> but we'd like to be. But we, Yeah. <laughs> hey, Jordan, how you doing? Uh, but no, seriously, I, I bought an entire army's worth of, um, through Shapeways, uh, heads that have that plate and i cut off the heads of every stormtrooper in my army and replaced it with that head um in doing so it actually um a side effect was not only do they look different from the regular stormtroopers um but i i repositioned which which way the heads were pointing which gave my army a a a surprising amount of variation just by turning the head slightly which was pretty cool yeah do those stormtrooper do the original Stormtrooper models have separate heads, or are they molded? They're molded, and so I had to cut them off. Um, okay. I used snips and cut them off, and in the process, I often would end up with um, a, a, a gap um, that I could use green stuff to, to put back in. But it wasn't all bad, because um, you'll notice that the other big... Uh, characteristic that these guys have is that they have capes now um there was again a lot of contrary uh, or contrary information about why they had the capes one it's to keep them dry um, in the wet conditions another one other one is um because of the ecological damage to the planet um it gets very cold at night um the the heat of there's nothing retaining the heat and so the heat would just bleed off the planet at night, meaning that these guys uh, would need some sort of insulation. And so a lot of what I read was that the cloaks were either for camouflage in the trenches to help to break up their outline, or they were to wrap themselves in at night to keep warm. I also read that it was to keep mud out of crucial joints and gears um, in the armor slash out of equipment um, so that it wouldn't jam up. Now, it is interesting that the blasters that these guys carry are supposedly different. Um, if you look, they are the E-10 blaster, not the E-11, which is the standard Stormtrooper blaster. They look very similar. Um, so I did not bother to switch my weapons out. I did, however, put a camo cape on every one of my Stormtroopers. And what that meant was... Um, it was very easy for me to fix gaps that I may have created in cutting the helmets off and by putting the new helmets on or repositioning the heads um, because the, the cloak would come around the helmet, around the neck, and around the shoulders. And mm. so I was able to just come and stick the cloak on uh, and then green stuff the connection around, you know, going wow. from the cloak to the, the helmet. Now, I probably could have trimmed it and stuck it used um, the resin cloaks that I had because they did have an existing neck. I often cut them off, stuck it to the back, and then green stuffed the the neck again. Um, Which cloaks were you using? Sorry. There you go. Um, I use Victoria miniatures. There are several cloaks on the market. Um, 
Victoria Miniatures is a Australian-based company. Um, they make Warhammer 40,000 parts, conversion parts primarily. Um, there are quite a few companies that if you're looking at Warhammer 40,000 um, bits <laughs> that will have cloaks that you can use. Um, these were made for Imperial Guard models. And so they're, they're billowy in just the right places. They have a little bit of... Uh, movement to them. I think they're meant to go with models to uh, line up with the Gaunt's Ghosts novels, if you want to make models to go with those. Uh, And I thought that went perfectly with um, what I was looking to do with these guys. Now, a lot of the Mimbin cloaks are almost um, diamond-shaped, is is far the way that they come to the the bottom by by the Stormtroopers' feet. However, I didn't really want to cut all of the cloaks to do that. And I did see some where the cloaks were square at the bottom. Um, what is noted, though, is that on the corner of all of the cloaks, if you actually look carefully at, at the pictures, there are little eye hooks, uh, or sorry, um, eye holes with uh, little metal circle circlets stamped into them. Um, and this is so you could apparently tie the the cloak to the body. Um, I didn't bother to put those into my models or to paint them on um, because... I, I had to look very carefully to see it, and I just didn't think it would show up at that scale. And I'm really happy I did. I'm looking at a picture right now, and I can't see them. So exactly. So um, that was kind of visually how I made the stormtroopers. Um, I, I then wanted to paint them. Now, if you look at <laughs> pictures of Mimbinese stormtroopers uh, or Mimbin stormtroopers, they are very dirty. Now you can do that a number of ways. I've seen people. Um, use a lot of washes, um, use some of the new contrast paints to achieve it. Uh, I went with something slightly different. Uh, I used a a variety of sponging. I painted the models very dark gray to start with, and then I sponged up, um, you know, a very light gray and then white on top of it um, again and again to get a very erratic coat. Then I added some. You do like your sponging, bro. I do. I love some sponging. And then I added some washes to the joints. I re-blacked um, all the joint lines um, or the gaps between armor um, just to get to make sure that it, you know, it looked properly um, black-lined. And so it, you had that contrast and that variance in, from the distance. And um, then I just added a little bit more uh, white highlighting to the exact edges of the armor where, you know, the mud would have worn off. Uh, and I'm, I'm pretty happy with how that worked. And I just painted the, the cloaks a variety of grays and started very dark and worked my way up. And I used um, the GW Mud Effect Mud, um, the technical paint, um, Sterling Mud. And yeah, oh. it worked those on the base, which got the feet and... Sometimes the knees dirty if the stormtrooper was kneeling, and I used and it sort of when I was dry brushing um, that up after I'd let it dry um, to get some you know highlighting on it. Um, you know I I would intentionally get a little messy around the feet and the edges of the cloaks, and yeah, I think I think the effect works pretty well, and I'm really happy with how uh, the army came out as a whole. Yeah, it's it looks good, and so I can't I kind of I can't remember you painting that much infantry. Um, in such a short amount of time, for a long time. Yeah. Uh, so when I saw them, I was, just, I was, I was very impressed. You've done done well there, man. Uh, thank you. It was the uh, the sponging uh, really helped. I didn't have mm-hmm. to go back, and I'm a very slow and immaculate painter. Um, at least immaculate makes me sound very good. Uh, I don't know. I'm small and very pedantic about the detailing, and so it takes me a very long time to paint 
infantry, which is why you haven't seen me paint that many in a long time. But because <laughs> they were supposed to be messy, uh, and because I did a large part of the painting with sponge uh, instead of brush, uh, I was able to crank through it really quickly, um, and then go back and add detailing later. Um, that really sped up the process. Actually, painting the cloaks took me significantly longer than painting the stormtroopers, um, <laughs> which was funny because it was just <clears throat> straight lines down, straight lines down, straight lines down. Um, but because I had, I think, five shades of gray on it, I really wanted to get that, that you know, that pop. Um, yeah. Yeah, mm. it was good. I, I, I really like it. Um, now, first, for an army, though, uh, I, I thought... I could have added some mud troopers, but I didn't have rules for them. I was thinking I would add a squad of mud troopers to um, to count as scouts, but because they have the white dice save, I just yeah. didn't think it matched armament wise, though, um, and sort of rules wise, they just didn't match up. It didn't it didn't work, uh, and so I just went with a wall of stormtroopers. Because I'd ordered enough bits and pieces to make the full six squads. Um, I did paint up a <clears throat> environmental squad, i.e. snowtrooper squad, in the same color scheme. Um, because I wanted to you know, do something a little different. I just didn't want to have all stormtroopers all the time. Um, and yeah, that that's cool. That's two different flavors of snowtroopers that you have uh in your collection it is uh because yeah. i have the galactic marines as well so i wanted to do um i wanted to do some mud snow troopers or some environmental troopers and since the the air in mimbin is supposed to be toxic i thought yeah that works um environmental troopers work in that environment yeah. and um i you know i gave them a snow uh, sorry a flamethrower and they are to go with my tank now i did take a tank um in my basic list and I do have it and I, I muddied it up and dirtied it up and rusted it up and got very heavy with the sponge. And, uh, I was very happy with that. But the more I look at the source, um, material when I was researching this episode, the more I realized, Hmm, tank may not have worked so well. Um, Imperial walkers were used far more often. Now I have painted up an ATST, Um, but the more I look at it, the more I really want to put an ATDT. Yes. Um, oh. on <laughs> hey, you, just get that, you get that little glimpse of it in the movie, don't you? You do. You do. Um, and there was a deleted scene um, where they, um, where the Mimbanese were charging and they had to sort of in the middle of the battle and they had to, you know, repel them. And um, Han runs up and jumps on the back of a downed, um, ADDT. Now, the the difference for those of you who don't know at home, what the difference between an ATST and an ATDT is, an ATDT looks like an ATST, except it's about two thirds to about a half the height. Um, it's got an extra joint in its leg um, that makes it a little more squat. In addition to that, but instead of having sort of the closed head canopy that you would you know come <clears throat> to expect with an ATST, it's actually it's got a giant front shield. And a giant cannon coming out of it, but it's not armored on its roof, on its sides, or on its rear. Um, it looks very much, for those of you who like World War II, like somebody stuck a German 88 on a pair of ATST legs. Um, and if you're, if you're like me and don't know much about World War II, but know a bit about 40K, um, it does. It's, 
it's basically a basilisk on legs. Yeah, exactly. Um, which is in 88. Um, so it's, yeah, it's, yeah. yeah, exactly. Uh, so it's a giant laser cannon on legs. Um, now in, in the movie, um, Han jumps on the back of a wrecked ATDT, um, and fires its cannon and, um, rep- you know, it stops the advance of the Mimbanese. So, um, again, because there's, he was able to easily jump in because it's wide open on the back. Um, now in researching this, ATDTs, um, we're supposed to be deployed just, further back than – sorry, go ahead. I was just going to cut it into the site. Um, for anyone wondering, all-terrain defense turret. Ah, thank you. I knew there was – I knew I was forgetting something. Um, but, yeah, they're supposed to be sort of on the edge of the battlefields with the huge cannons <clears throat> that are firing at distance. Um, now, clearly, that is not what we see being dropped into the middle of the battle in um, – the Min Min campaign. Um, now that was apparently because of mismanagement by the Imperial uh, governor in one video I saw in, in one book I read, it was also uh, because, because it was more of a, like a Vietnam like conflict. It wasn't like they could have the artillery firing from a distance. They, the, you know, everything was sort of stuck in the middle of it and they were just sort of fighting their way out of their encampment um, or, you know, and, they were being ambushed and so they would just drop the artillery in the middle of the battle and just tried to fight their way out from there but yeah because these weapons only had armor on the front you really didn't want them in a in a, in a battle uh, no so um how can you have one of these in star wars legion well you could convert one using a basilisk or an 88 kit um and an, an existing stst yeah However, it is supposed to be slightly shorter. Now, if you go to Thingiverse and you search up Star Wars Legion, um, McNulty Miniatures, I believe it is, um, makes an ADDT file for 3D printing. And so you can make yourself an ADDT, and I'm hoping to do so shortly. Um, Now, how would I represent that on the table? I would represent it using an ATST. And one of the cool things about Legion, because of the dice pool mechanic, um, you can take weapons <laughs> like the uh, twin light laser blaster cannon or the mortar launcher, and you can add that to your main weapons on the ATST pool and make sort of one big super pool um, when you are attacking units and delete them. And that's kind of what I was looking to do with the ATDT. Um, just kind of add a few weapon systems to the base ATST and then always fire it at the same target and not split fire off. Now, I know that makes it less effective, but hey, um, if I'm, I'm fielding an ATST that's slightly shorter, eh, I, I, again, I'm not trying to meta this. I'm just trying to make it match what's in the movie. So, uh, yeah. I think it's cool, and I think it would be a really cool modeling opportunity too, um, because it is open topped, and you can add the crew and the gunners, um, and you know stowage and all sorts of other stuff. So very, very excited about that. Drew, anything you want to add about the ADDT? Um, no, I think you covered it. But yeah, just when I was yeah reading up on this and, and saw saw the ATDT, I'm like, oh, it'd be so cool in this game. Um, and then this is, this is before I even realized I'd seen it in the movie. Um, so. Looking it up, it's like, oh, it is in the movie. Oh, it's there. It's it it it, it does exist, um, and people have made it for the game. It it it'd be a really cool conversion to do. I'd probably I'd get, yeah, I'd probably go for the uh, converting it from the existing ATST um, and attaching uh, a big gun on top of it. Mm-hmm. It's just that's the kind of thing I like to do. It'd probably end up being too big, but eh. 
Yeah. Well, the troop just uh, transport, or sorry, the lander that they steal in Solo to for the heist, um, which is the whole reason why they're there in in the battle and where they meet Han, um, is t- you know is to steal that lander, and that's the same lander that dropped off the ATDT. McNulty Miniatures also makes one of those. Um, so if you really want to, you know, go all out and add some, uh, you know, some vehicles to your tabletop um, to match the tabletop for Mimbin or the Battle of Mimbin or around that, man, there's there's a ton of stuff you can do, uh, which is, you know, I think is really cool. Um, now, if for the Mimbin Stormtroopers, um, if I was going to represent this on the Legion tabletop, uh, I would add environmental gear to pretty much everything that moves, whether or not, you know, that's effective or not, just because that represents, you know, whatever that helmet forehead plate is supposed to be for, plus the cloak, plus their training. Um, And, you know, I'm sure there's some other things that you could sneak in, um, but I would, to simulate a lot of the, um, what we see in the movie, I would also add um, some extra imperial officers be it to the squads themselves or some generic officers for the um, troopers i wouldn't necessarily have vader running around with the mimbin stormtrooper i mean this is supposed to be a sort of one of those sort of meat grinder battles on the edge of space that no one really cares about if it wasn't for this mineral so i probably avoid the big name characters and go for you know smaller ones but you know you could have accounts as veers you could have uh, accounts as krennic um just Mm. basic guys i'm sorry drew go ahead um I was, well, it seems from some of the um, behind the scenes stuff that there there seems to be quite a few medics in the um yeah in the in the sort of extras for the uh, probably more for the uh, imperial infantry than for the uh, true for the troopers, but that's something you might want to do for as well as try and get some uh, very true medics in there yeah um, and some basic communications officers as well. It seems mm. like you know there'd be a lot of opportunities for disrupted communications, wounded soldiers in this battle, and, you know, the need for basis, you know, basic <laughs> officers. Um, so I think, yeah, I think that Imperial expansion pack that we had a little while ago, the Imperial Specialist, just about everything in that pack would get a lot of use. And while I can't see an astromech um, rolling around in that mud, um, you definitely might want one if you're feeling an ATDT. So, yeah, you know, just, you know, I'm sure you could figure out some way of modeling that. Maybe a Gronk droid. Uh, that might be cool because it's got legs. But yeah. And then I think, and I think preempting that um, Skullforge sponsorship we were talking about, um, I think yes. they make a. They make a Beckett model as well, don't they? They do. They do have a Beckett model. I have that Beckett model. Yeah. And that, even though he's there to um, completely disregard the actual mission. It'd be kind of cool to have him from, like heading up one of your squads or, or even Absolutely. the whole army, you know, just this is a joke. Like, There's my general. He's, he's, he's not on board. Back, yeah. Or, or <laughs> theoretically, all you had to do is, uh, you know, putty over his las, la, you know, las laser holes in his uh, armor and then just use him as a dirty officer. Doesn't have to yep. be Beckett, right? Um, there are also several Imperial officers for Mimbin, um, also made by Skullforge, that I have, uh, and that started my Imperial Officer collection um, that I've added to since then. But uh, yeah, that that there's a Mud Trooper officer that I've added to my force, and an Imperial officer in um, 
sort of mud gear as well that, you know, both of which match perfectly. I plan to use one as my leader and then the other one as a squad leader. And I think they work both very well. So yeah, very excited. Um, I also was able to get some uh, skull forged uh, stormtrooper, basic stormtrooper crew for the um, E-Web blaster um, because I thought that E-Webs would definitely be in this army. And then of yeah. course, just like with the basic FFG stormtroopers, I cut the heads off and put the skull forged uh, Mimbin stormtrooper heads on and added cloaks. And Shazam, I had a Mimbin E-Web. So yeah, very cool. Um, the army got a little expensive at times with all the bits and pieces, but it is, it's a lot of fun. Um, it, there's some really cool stuff in there that I'm really proud of and I'm, I'm happy to put on the tabletop. So, mm. And I think that's, that's the important thing. I mean, rules-wise, it doesn't play a lot differently than a standard Stormtrooper <laughs> army. Uh, but yeah, it's, it, the fact that it looks different puts a smile on my face, and uh, yeah. that's the important thing. Well, Drew, I, I hate to say this. I think we are nearing the end of the episode. Now, astute listeners will notice, hey, you guys said you would be talking about Australian events, Australian meta, Australian Star Wars Legion. Now, you've spent this entire episode sort of talking about theming and the games that you're excited about playing, but not really getting into the Australian meta. Now, we are not going to be one of those, I don't think, a meta podcast. However, we are going to be talking to um, the TO of an event and talking about Australian Legion in episode three, which we're hoping to come out in the next couple of weeks. Now, normally we would try and roll both into one episode. However, um, we did know that we had a lot to talk about with Mimbin and um, it being the holiday season. It was hard enough for the two of us to coordinate for this episode, <laughs> but um, once January gets into full swing in a couple of weeks, we will be kicking out. So, well, January, hopefully we will have two episodes, um, one, an interview with some folks who are playing Australian uh, Star Wars Legion, uh, maybe in a little more uh, a community based at this point than we are. Uh, and then hopefully we will also come back with some more content. So there you go, Drew. Um, I think we might just have to record a game of skirmish or two for the youtube channel what do you think i think that's that sounds like a good idea i, we I'm may have, that. I think haven't we played in a while so good thing. yeah good thing absolutely on there well i think uh, my min bin stormtroopers need to have a rematch and i might just have to see if i can acquire an atdt although it might take me a little time to convert and paint that puppy up um now we did spend quite a lot of time showing pictures through the facebook page of drew's beautifully painted hoth models uh and we will continue to do so but now that we've talked about mimbin i will start to leak out pictures of mine um as well so there will be more yes. content on there if you do want to get in touch with us uh before anything else comes out the best way to do that is through facebook uh brad and i are, are checking that very regularly um we're very excited to hear from you and hear what you're doing. Show us what you're doing. Put some photos up there. We'd love to see it. We'd love to share it with everyone else because um, that's what we're about. And for any uh, video content that we produce, that will likely come through the Cast Dice YouTube channel. That's right. Um, so if you type Cast Dice into YouTube, you will find it. Um, I, you might have to type Cast Dice Podcast. Um, the YouTube algorithm is still trying to figure out who we are, where we are, and how many people are watching us. So, um, And the content has been a little sparse uh, in the last couple of weeks on the YouTube channel. 
only because uh, it's been the end of the school year. But there is more stuff coming, as I said, in the new year, and we'll get back to regular videos. Um, now, when Drew was saying that we, you can message us if you have sneers, jeers, abuses, questions, things you'd like to talk about, pictures of the stuff you're working on, uh, or you know, just thoughts that you may have about a Star Wars. Um, if you want to talk Mandalorian, we've seen it. If you want to talk about the new movie, we've seen it. Um, we would love to talk to you about it in a way that does not spoil it for people who are uh, have not had uh, the opportunity wait, yet. Can I correct you there? I haven't seen the new movie yet, so. Um... Oops. <laughs> Guess I should delete all that stuff I just sent you, right, Drew? Whoop! <laughs> Don't read it. Yeah. Uh, and of course, to do that, you would need to find our Facebook page, which is Beyond the First Marker. Now, you'll notice that with this episode, we have a new logo. And I can't go without um, thanking the incredibly talented artist who designed that for us. Of course, I'm talking about Jared Albrecht, the yard sale artist himself, uh, a regular guest on Cast Ice and an old friend of our casts uh, and this podcast network. Um, he is an awesome artist, and he did that, and has recently been um, acknowledged on, of all places, sports television um, on several cable sports networks in the United States for having painted uh, a very famous scene from an Auburn football game. So uh, if you have not had the opportunity to check out the yard sale artist's work, he does a lot of comic work. He does uh, just some really awesome found art and comic book work. Um, and apparently now sports art. Uh, you can find him on Twitter and you can also find him on Facebook. But yes, thank you, Jared, for the awesome, awesome logo. And Looks great. Um, yeah, man, super excited. But ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for listening. It is been a pleasure we will be back in a couple of weeks and hopefully we'll be a little more coherent a little more well rested and uh, a little more ready for the next stage of this podcast so until then may the force be with you and happy life day happy life day stop singing drew Thank you for listening. For more information about the topics discussed in today's episode, please find our Facebook page by searching for Beyond the First Marker. Please message us there if you have any comments, questions, or suggestions that will help us improve the quality of this show. Until next time, may the Force be with you.